0: Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go ahead, in today's Gospel, we hear just, just great, marvelous news of Jesus. Here we are, still fresh from the Christmas message, still fresh. Not too long afterwards, since so we've been given this gift, and now Jesus begins to unpack it. When we really look at the, uh, the church calendar, you know, the calendars you receive each and every year from the church, what happens is this. We really begin to look at the gospel readings for each each week. We see Jesus giving Himself to us. We see this gift being given to us, and we see Jesus teaching us about this great gift. Now here we are in the great season of Denha, the great season of Epiphany, where the Lord is revealed to us. He's revealed to us, and He shows Himself to us, and He says, "This is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I should be in your life. I am the teacher." I am the one who comes to give sight to the blind, the one who comes to release you from your slavery, the slavery of sin. I've come to give you hope. I've come to fulfill all of God's promises. When we look at a Bible, by the way, we hear Jesus opening up to the book of Isaiah. When you look at a Bible, and the reason why it's so confusing to most is this. When you look at the Bible half of the Bible here, this big chunk here, is the Old Testament. It's a large large chunk of the Bible. The Old Testament is what most people get confused on, most people get hung up on, but we have to look at it with the eyes of Christianity, of Jesus, in mind. The Old Testament, where Jesus quotes from, that was all that was, all that was around during the day. The New Testament had not been written yet because the New Testament is all about Jesus, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus. But what it talks about is this, The Old Testament talks about how the Jews are constantly in trouble. They're constantly in trouble, and God continues to promise them, I will free you from your slavery. I will free you from the ultimate thing that's causing you so much pain, so much suffering, so much death, so much destruction. That is your sins. And see, the Jews, whenever it is, they would sin, they would have to go out, they have to buy a costly animal, and they would have to sacrifice that animal to God, put their sins on that animal, and then sacrifice them to God, and became something very costly. It became something very burdensome. And then as time went on, right, the Jews began to make their own laws of how not to offend God. And that's what Jesus is going through today. He's going through this idea... and he goes to this idea that here I am it's being fulfilled in the midst of you everything that the prophet Isaiah says where he quotes from the prophet Isaiah who by the way was a prophet 700 years before Jesus 700 years before Jesus the prophet Isaiah writes in the Old Testament he says there's going to be someone who's going to free you from your sins this mysterious servant this mysterious servant of God in 700 years time doesn't specify when but soon will come to deliver you from your sins Everything that God has promised you, the Jewish people, will be fulfilled soon. And not to worry. And he says, his kingdom will last forever. And the Jews, of course, they're excited. Right? They can't believe what they're hearing. Here they are in the temple and they're saying, wow, this is going to be fulfilled in our midst. But then Jesus shows them something more. He says, not only will this be reserved just for you, but it's going to be reserved for the whole world. God loves the entire world. For them, they couldn't believe that everyone else was going to be saved. Because here they were, they were thinking, in the teachings of what they've been taught previously, only they would be saved. But now, Jesus says, no, God has love for the entire world. And this is what they could not fathom. And so it's said in the Gospel that they they chased him out of the town. Right? They were going to throw him off the cliff, but somehow Jesus got away. This is the, bu- the beautiful thing that God tells us today. Still fresh from Christmas, still fresh from that Christmas gift we've received, we received Jesus. Now Jesus is telling us who he is, that he's come to fulfill God's promise for us, to give us all hope. One of the things, you know, whenever I, I, I preach at funerals, I always try to make very clear is this, is that we're not a people of death. We should not be in mourning. We should not be saddened by these things. Sure, we'll be missing the person who's gone from my life, but are they truly gone? If we truly believe in Jesus, is that person truly dead? No. We trust, we have hope in Jesus, that that person might be saved. That's why we continue to pray for the dead. Because we have this hope. We have this hope in Jesus, the one who gives us life. We have to have this constant hope in Jesus. Not the hope in the world, not the hope in things to come, but this constant hope in Jesus. But well, what I want us to pay attention to is this, right? There's two main things I think we can get from this gospel that I think really kind of hit home for all of us. First thing is this message of the church, right? This message of the church. Here we are, we come to church every Sunday, sometimes in homilies. For example, you know, I might say something up here that might not sit well with you. And for some people, right, they, they, you, you always heard it oh because this person said this or this priest said this or this person goes to church and now because this person goes to church and somehow they've wronged me or they've done something that doesn't sit right with me I no longer go to church I no longer go there is that how Jesus acted? Jesus we're told it's his custom every Sabbath every Saturday to go to the synagogue he'd go to the synagogue every Saturday even though he might not have agreed with all these other made-up rules the Pharisees have done and all these laws they put around, they've man-made, Jesus still went to the synagogue to worship with the people. We cannot forget that no matter what happens, we have to go to church to worship with God's people. Each and every Sabbath, just as Jesus did. He might have disagreed, but he still went. Second is this. When we see in the Gospel that, you know, we see in the Gospel that Jesus... He goes, he, he, he leaves the 40 days of silence, the 40 days in the desert, and right after he leaves, he begins his ministry, he goes to his hometown of Nazareth, right? And here he is preaching these beautiful things, and everyone can't believe it. Everyone says, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not Joseph's son who we saw, you know, uh, you know playing ball at, at, in the Nazareth, and whatever, playing with, with my little kids when he was a kid? Now he's saying that he is the one who's going to fulfill all these things. How is that even possible? Is this not the same one we knew since he was a kid? We've known him all our life. And this is the same Jesus who's going to tell me what to do? They cannot believe. In the same way, Jesus is telling you this. When we have this hope that's been given to us, all of us come to church, we receive something that's much greater than all of us. We have this happiness, this joy that we can't quite explain. This happiness that, that... that precedes all things, that for some reason, no matter how, what's going on in life, we still feel this foundation of Christ's love in our heart, right? As long as we come to church, we understand who Jesus says, but we can't keep it here. We have to go out into the world and proclaim it, but Jesus says that's not going to be easy. It's not at all going to be easy. He says, live as a Christian. Live as my disciple. Live as I have taught you. But to be a witness to Jesus in the world is not easy, especially to those who are closest to you. Especially to those who are closest to you. Jesus says a prophet is not welcome in his own country. But the first thing he does when he leaves the 40 days in the desert is he goes to his own country and he preaches. First thing he does is he goes to his own family, those he grew up around, And he preaches. We're called to do the same. We're called to go to our own family, and that's where evangelization starts. That's where we spread the good news. That is where we tell people who Jesus is. Not out there, you know, out in the streets and saying things, you know, I'm not asking you to go out on Mound and preach on Mound Road. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to preach to your own families. To preach to your own families who might feel lost. Might feel as though But they can't come back to church. Who might feel as though, for some reason or another, they've had a bad experience at church and they can't come back to Jesus. That is what Jesus is asking you to preach to today, to your own families. But he's asking you to do that by example. That means praying for others. That means not acting the way others do. That means if we're acting in a way, you know, if we we act in a way that doesn't say that we're a Christian, no one's going to be converted by what you say. You can say one thing and act another way, and no one's going to be converted. No. No one's truly going to know Jesus by your actions. But if we act differently, if we act differently, if we act the way in which Jesus tells us to act, then that person takes a step back. That person, your family, takes a step back and says, Okay, there's something different here. I want to know more. And then they're drawn in. family, and then we will all live together as one Christian family. Amen?